Dan, what a true, true statement that is. We need to do that. We need to pray. And the Lord needs to change your land. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of James, and take your bulletins as well. I want you to look in your bulletin. There is an insert. Looks like this. It's talking about children's ministry. And uh, we have a couple needs I wanted to call to your attention. Number one, we need a couple folks to help us with our three-year-olds during the second hour on Sunday mornings. This would be an alternating responsibility. In other words, if you work with the three-year-olds the second hour, you won't have to do it every week. You'll just be on a schedule. But we need some help with that. Please see Amy after the service if God's stirring your heart to help in that arena. Secondly... Vacation Bible School is just about six weeks away, and and uh, we are desperate for some workers. Uh, y'all, if we're going to be able to offer everything we want to offer, from preschool all the way up to fifth grade, we've got to have some help. And you see there, we need a teacher for the three-year-old and the five-year-old, and then we need one other teacher, kind of a floater, and then we need about five or six helpers, and then we need some people to help with uh, nursery and registration we, we're desperate for your help, and the ladies, uh, I know we got a couple weeks, but the ladies are getting nervous, and uh, they're going to have to make a decision about how much we're going to be able, able to offer if we don't have enough workers. So please consider uh, signing up to help us in Vacation Bible School. Uh, you can go over to the Children's Building right after either service, and uh, Amy would be happy uh, to help you out uh, with that. We hope and pray you'll decide uh, to help us in Vacation Bible School. Uh, This morning as we think about the message, we're going to, last week I talked about uh, being lost financially and I'm going to transition from that just a little bit. We're going to shift a little bit away from that, but not not all the way so much. What we're going to talk about this morning is going to uh, include that, but it's really going to include some other stuff as well. I want to spend a few minutes this morning talking about uh, making choices and making decisions. If you, hit, if you were here last week, you remember that we talked about the significance of making choices, that we make our choices and then our choices make us. And so sometimes it's hard to make decisions and then sometimes it's hard, even harder to make wise decisions. has and, and we don't always make wise decisions. I read this this week. I thought I'd tell you about it. Does anybody know who Annie Edson Taylor is? Anybody know what she's famous for? Well, it didn't work then. But let me tell you the story, and then I'll tell you why it didn't work. She was a school teacher, but she felt that wasn't very significant. In fact, she owed a little bit of money. And she said, you know, I've figured out how to gain fame and fortune. The year was 1901, and Annie was going to be the first person to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. So she chose a pickle barrel for her trip. It was made out of oak, and it was constructed with iron, and she padded it with a mattress. They got out there in the water, and they put her in it, and they put the lid on it. They took a bicycle air pump, and they pumped this barrel as full of air as they could get it, and took a cork and put put it in as a stopper. And dropped her out, and sure enough, over the edge, she went. Right over, um, I think they call it uh, Horseshoe Falls or whatever. Uh, But right after she hit, the rescuers got there, and when they found her, she is alive. And they opened up the barrel, and 
The first word she said was this, no one ought ever do that again. (laughs) Now, unfortunately for Annie, she was not a success on the lecture circuit and her dreams of being famous and making enough money to pay off her debts didn't materialize. She died as a pauper in 1921. And the article I read about it made this statement. It says, apparently, going over Niagara Falls in a barrel was not a wise decision for Annie. Now, I don't reckon any of us are going to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. If you think about it, come see me. We'll set up some counseling, okay? I'll just go ahead and tell you that. Um, But here's the thing. We're all going to face some difficulties in our life. And we're going to face some struggles in our life. And we talked about last week, for a lot of people, they're financial. But for other people, they're uh, relational. Still others, the, the issues they face might be physical or they could be emotional or they could be spiritual or, um, or even, you know, career related. But, but at the end of the day, we all have arenas in our life where we have to make decisions. I mean, we have to make decisions on a daily basis. And so what we need to figure out is, is how do we make wise decisions? And it's critical that we make wise decisions. F.W. Borham said this. He said, we make our decisions and then our decisions turn around and make us. The reality of the issue is who we are, what we are, and where we are today is directly connected to the decisions that we've made in our life. And so we, knowing that's true, that that our life is going to be a byproduct of our choices, we need to to know how to make some wise decisions. So we're going to look at the book of James because he talks about that uh, issue a little bit and gives us some input. So if you have your Bibles there with me, James chapter 1, let's read... um, Let's go ahead and read verse 2 through 4, and then we'll go down through verse 8. I'm not going to deal with all that, but I want you to hear it all for the context. Verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I want to ask you and invite you this morning Uh, to come and teach us how to be wise in making our decisions. God, teach us how to be decisive. God, I pray that you would speak into our life this morning. Lord, I don't know what uh, issues are represented, but I know all of us from time to time have to make hard decisions. And Father, we want to be able as believers to make right decisions. And if we know how to make wise decisions, then we're going to be able to make right decisions and we're going to be able to be effective for the kingdom of God. 
And Lord, I pray that you'd inspire us and motivate us this morning to be decisive. Now, God, uh, God, you know this to be true. Uh, the wise decision and the right decision is not always the easy decision. Sometimes it takes some sacrifice. Sometimes it takes some compromise on our part. But I pray that you'd teach us this morning and motivate us to make even the hard decisions and to make right decisions so we can bring honor and glory and praise to the name of Jesus. And Father, I ask these things in his strong and mighty name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so let's just think about this. Now, you know we all make a boatload of decisions every day, and some of them are not significant. Obviously, you know, you get up in the morning and you you reach in the drawer to get out your socks and you kind of, you got to make a decision. Okay, what color socks am I going to wear today? Does it matter if it matches? And uh, one of the beautiful things about living in Texas is you can wear boots and you can wear whatever color socks you want. It doesn't really matter if they're blue or black or if they got spots on them or dots on them or they don't even have to match. The socks don't even have to match. So, so those decisions don't matter. But then there are some times when we really have to make some significant decisions. Now, the Apostle James wants us to be able to make wise decisions. Now, God wants us to make wise decisions in every arena of our life. But if we look at the context, what James is really talking about here is when you're going through difficult times, when we're encountering trials and tribulations, when we're encountering tests, if we don't have the wisdom to make the right decision, James says, you need to ask. For the wisdom. And so he wants us to be able through the difficult, the hard things, to be able to make some wise decisions. And so let's kind of talk about uh, what that looks like. And there's, if you look there, uh, there's some characteristics that kind of cause us, that tend to cause us a little bit of difficulty. And James comes up with this word there. Verse 6 says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, but because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I think we need to think about this. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that all of us are double-minded. I'm not even suggesting that any of us are double-minded. But I will say that there can be a point in our life, there can be a time in our life, there can be a window in our life where we really are doubting and double-minded. Now, if we look at that word, if we take that word apart, it, it literally, literally it means to be two-souled. It means, you know, the idea is that you have two souls. You, you have a, and they're wrestling uh, against one another. Uh, the double-minded person has divided loyalties and they have divided priorities and therefore he is unstable. And again, I'm not suggesting that we're unstable, but but sometimes we get into a situation to where we've got to make a decision and we really are torn. We really are pulled this way and this way. And so we've got to be able to make these wise decisions, but what happens is if we're if we're double sold or if we have divided priorities, then that results, there's, there's always two results to that. And the first result is that we're, we're indecisive. If I'm torn, if, if I'm two-souled, if you will, or double-minded, or, or, or I have these two different or divided priorities, then the first uh, consequence of that is that I tend to be indecisive. 
And there comes times in our life where we can't afford to be indecisive. we got to be able to make a decision. Now, you may have heard this story, but years ago, um, Ronald Reagan. By the way, the first president I ever got to vote for was Ronald Reagan. So he's kind of my hero. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's the first one I voted for. I just kinda, I just liked, I've always liked Ronnie. But I read this story, and when he was a little boy, his aunt, went down to the cobbler and said to the cobbler, said, I want you to make Ron some shoes. And Ron, or Ronnie, or Ronald, whatever you want to call him, whatever we would call him, was with him. And the cobbler looked at him and says, do you want square toes or round toes? And he said, well, I don't know. The cobbler said, let me know. Well, a couple of days later, he saw the cobbler again. The cobbler says, do you want round toes or square toes? And he said, well, I'm not sure. The cobbler says, well, give me, t- give me a couple days and come by and your shoes will be ready. So a couple days later, Ronald goes back to the cobbler and he pulls out the shoes and one of them's got a round toe and the other one's got a square toe. And the guy told him, says, you need to learn to make up your mind because if you don't make a decision for yourself, somebody else will. And, and Reagan, and this is what he said. Here's, here was his quote. He said, he said, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your own decisions... Somebody else will. Now, I'm not, sometimes it's good to be in this, I mean, to wait to make a decision. Sometimes we need to gather the facts and sometimes we need to put everything together. But sooner or later, you got to decide. And we don't want to be indecisive. In fact, I heard someone say one time, they suggested that the best thing to do is to make the right decision. The second best thing to do is to make the wrong decision. And the worst thing you can do is to not ever make a decision. Now, that, I don't think that's logical all the time, but a lot of times that's probably true. That we get paralyzed by indecisiveness because we're, we, we have this period of double-mindedness where we got this divided priority and we just can't really think about it. And so that's one of the dangers of being, uh, or the consequences of being uh, double-minded is, is that you're indecisive. But also, another characteristic of being double-minded is, is inconsistent. If, if we have a divided soul, or two souls, if we have divided priorities and, and, um, and divided loyalties, then we're, we're in danger of being inconsistent. Now, if I stand up here on a Sunday and talk about how important it is to exercise and how important it is to be physically fit, and then I go home day after day and sit on the couch and eat Doritos and Twinkies and peanut butter, I'm not very consistent because I'm saying one thing and I'm doing something else. If I proclaim the name of Jesus, if we proclaim the name of Jesus, talk about how much we love God and how much we love Jesus and we're born again... But we don't carve out time in our life to worship Him. Uh, we don't make a commitment to serve Him. Then the chances are, in reality, we're inconsistent. And James was writing to this group of believers that were scattered all over the place. And they were having some tough times. And they were facing some difficulties. And some of them were being persecuted. And some of them had some really big obstacles in their life. And he says, listen, if you... When you're having tough times, the danger is that you'll be double-minded and you need to be careful. And we need to be careful because the danger is that we can go through these stages in our life and, and we can have these divided loyalties and divided priorities. And if we're not careful, we won't be able to make 
wise decisions. And so the danger lies in the fact that we all have that risk. Now, even if, even if double-mindedness is short-lived, it can, it can cause us to make decisions that will affect our life forever. So, so what do we do? How do we, how do we overcome being double-minded? How do we overcome indecisiveness? And let's just talk about a couple of things. I'll give you two main points and then I'll, I'll fill one in with some sub-points. The first thing, if we're going to make wise decisions, we need to be wise. Or at least we need to acquire wisdom. And so the, the bottom line is, if I'm going to act wisely, I need to know kind of what wisdom is. Now, uh, the Greek word there is Sophia, and it has the idea of knowledge put into practice or the practical application of knowledge. But at the end of the day, wisdom is not simply the accumulation of knowledge, but it's the ability to take knowledge that God's given us and make wise, sound, biblical, godly decisions. That's what wisdom is. It's being a, you know, part of it, we all grew up hearing about common sense. You know, some people have it and, you know, some people don't. You know, you, you've heard them say about this old boy over here, he's, he's, you know, he's a genius, but he can't pour water out of a boot with directions on the hill. You know, he's the kind of guy that just doesn't have any common sense. Well, wisdom is the opposite. Wisdom is the ability to, to, have, to take common sense and take knowledge and make wise, sound, biblical decisions. Now, so, so how do we do it? So how do we acquire wisdom? How do we get it? Well, if you have your Bibles there, turn over with me to Proverbs because Proverbs is full or filled, if you will, uh, not just with wisdom but with challenges uh, to be wise. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's listen to verse 5. Through seven. The wise preacher, King Solomon, the wisest man in the, in the scriptures at that point in time, said, Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. Standing. And so the scripture admonishes us and challenges us to, to, to acquire it. Whatever, whatever we have to do, we need to get wisdom. So how do you do that? Let me just give you, since the challenge is to acquire wisdom, let me just give you three practical things that we need to do. Number one, we need to admit that we don't have it and that we need it. We need to admit to God. Sometimes we need to say to God, God, I really don't know what to do in this situation. Father, I really need wisdom to decide about this. Or I really need wisdom to decide about that. It's no secret to God that we need wisdom. We need wisdom all the time. I, I, I find myself praying that prayer often. I was listening to um, David Jeremiah a couple weeks ago. He's talking about the end times. And, and he said, you know, the closer we get to the end, the more I find myself almost all the time saying, Father, I need wisdom. I need understanding. Grant me wisdom. Grant me understanding. As a believer in Christ, that ought to be a daily prayer for us. That we would operate under and in light of the wisdom of God. And so we need to ask for it. Abraham Lincoln, I remember reading about him, saying you know, sometimes the only thing he could do was just get on his knees. He said, I didn't have the answers and none of the guys around me had the answers. Said, so I hit my knees and I prayed to my father and said, Father. I need wisdom. So if you're going to acquire wisdom, first of all, we have to admit we need it. 
Now, sometimes that's hard for us. Sometimes it's hard for us to, to not know the answer. Or sometimes it's hard because I think I know the answer, but if I had God's wisdom, the answer might change. And so if you're going to acquire wisdom, first of all, you have to uh, admit you don't have it or acknowledge that you don't have it. Secondly, and this is, this is rocket science right here, you just need to ask. You just need to ask for it. I mean, how often did Jesus tell us to ask? I mean, all through the Scripture, all through the Gospels, Jesus talked about praying. He talked about asking. He says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Then in Luke chapter 11, he gives that parable on prayers. And he says, you know, ask your, you know, if a, uh, if a earthly father knows how to good, give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts? And then over in Luke 18, he tells a story about the, the unjust judge and the woman that kept wearing him out. And he just, Jesus over and over and over said, listen, if you like something, ask. So we need to ask for wisdom. We need to ask for it because we need it. Everybody needs it. I, I read this story. I got to tell you, I don't know quite how much it relates to wisdom, but I got to tell you this story. This lady went in the welfare office. I think it was down in Florida, and I grew up in Florida, so I don't really want to say a whole lot, but you know, stuff, weird stuff can happen in Florida. I'll just tell you all that. But this lady goes into the welfare office to get some help. And so she's sitting there filling out the forms, and the lady says, you know, your husband's going to have to come in and sign these as well. And she said, okay. And she looked at the telephone, and the social worker thought, well, I'll help her. She says, well, if you dial 9, you can get out. So she picks up the phone and dials 9, lays it down, and walks out the door. In a few minutes, comes back with her husband. They sign all the papers. She stands up to leave and she says to the social worker, do I have to dial nine again to get out? <laughs> now, she needed wisdom. Okay, that, she didn't have it. And that, I'm not saying that we're ever going to dial nine to get out, but here's the thing. There are times in our life when we need wisdom and we got to be willing to ask. God says if you don't have it, you need to ask for it. So we need to learn how to ask. Jesus, again, said over and over and over, uh, he commanded us to ask. So we need to ask him for wisdom and ask for guidance. And then the third, the third part of requiring wisdom, we got to admit we need it. we got to ask for it. And I guess I would say it like this. We, once we ask God for something, we need to start looking for it. We need to start expecting God to give us what we ask for. And I'll tell you how to do that in just a second. But, but I want you to think with me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. But if I start thinking about maybe like buying a car. Like you decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy me a new pickup. And or, or use, you know, a not so new. But whatever, I'm going to go look for a car. And all of a sudden, when you go start looking at cars, then when you're driving down the road, all of a sudden, every time one of those kind of cars go by, you recognize it. It's just one of those things because, all of, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking about a car, and so all of a sudden I start noticing these cars. That happened to me when I went to seminary. Uh, it was kind of interesting because I had a degree in animal science. I was college educated, and I went to seminary, and I made my living nailing on shingles on houses. I had never roofed a house in my entire life. A buddy of mine says, hey, you want to go roof a house? And, oh, well, i got to earn a living. So we went and started roofing houses. And... Uh, 
and, and I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. God helped me pay my way through seminary. But the oddest thing happened for about three or four years. When I drove up to a house, you know what the first thing I did was? I looked at the roof. I mean, the first three churches I worked at, guess what? They all needed a roof. Do you know how blessed it was to drive onto the campus of First Baptist Church Wimberley and go, that's got a brand new roof. <laughs> Praise Jesus, you know. But I'm serious. And, and so then the why? Because I was thinking about roofs. So I was looking. If we're asking God for wisdom, if you want God to give you wisdom, and if I want God to give me wisdom and help me make decisions, to help us make decisions, then we need to, we ask Him for it, then we need to start looking. So how do we look for wisdom? Just, there, there's four ways that God gives us wisdom. First of all, God gives us wisdom through His Word. If you want to get God's wisdom, if you want to know what God thinks about something, then you gotta spend time in God's Word. If you're reading the Bible, if you're uh, studying the Bible, or if you're listening to people teach the Bible or speak about the Bible, that is the best way for you to get God's wisdom. The greatest, most effective way for God to communicate wisdom to us is through His Word. I mean, that's how He does it. And whatever, however God gives you wisdom, it always lines up with his word. It, it just does. And so if you want to know God's wisdom, if you want to be able to make wise decisions, then you got to get familiar with God's word. You need to be reading it. I need to be reading it. We need to be studying it. We need to be learning about it. We need to be listening to people talk about it because God gives wisdom through his word. Matter of fact, if you have your copy of the Bible, turn over to, I was going to save this till later, but let's just go there right now. Psalm 119 you know this verse, but I want you to look at it in your Bible because I'm going to tell you something kind of interesting about it. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my, fa- my path. Now, let me tell you what's interesting about this. I read this a couple years ago. This doesn't make sense to us because... If you're going out in the dark, what, if you're going to go out in the backyard in the dark, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up a what? You're going to pick up a flashlight. Or maybe now they got these little headlights. In fact, I got a little lamp that clips on the bill of my hat. If I want to run at night, I can put this little lamp on. So we all have these lights. Well, David wrote a thousand years before Jesus. Three thousand years ago, they didn't have flashlights. You know what they did? They, they had this contraption where they would, they would put a, they would attach this little thing to their foot and they would put like a, a candle or a lamp. And what would happen is that light on their foot would light their path because they couldn't shine a beam. All they had was like a candle. And so what they would do is they'd put, they'd fix this light to their feet. And so they would, ju- they would have to go one step at a time. That's the way they kept from getting into trouble. Now that picture, think about this. The picture of God's Word for you and for me is that God's Word is a lamp on our feet. And and He will show us a step at a time what it is that He wants us to do. So listen, listen, friend. If you want to make wise decisions, if we want to have godly, right decisions, then we got to study God's Word. we got to know what it says because it will tell us step by step 
what we need to do. But the second way that God gives us wisdom, not only through His Word, but also God gives us uh, wisdom through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about that in John 16 and over in Exodus 31. It says, And I, I, I have filled Him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, and knowledge of all kinds of crafts. And so oftentimes in prayer, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that God speaks audibly. I've never in my life, God has never in my entire life ever spoken to me audibly. But there have been a few times in my life, there have been some times in my life where God has impressed upon me in an inaudible voice something that was louder than audible. And God said, this is what to do. And sometimes through prayer, God will speak through the Holy Spirit. And so God speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Spirit. Another way that God speaks to us is through people. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs nineteen twenty says, Listen to advice and accept instruction. In the end, you will be wise. And so oftentimes God uses other people to give us wisdom. God uses other people to speak into our life. Woodrow Wilson in Leadership Magazine, he said this. He said, I use not only all the brains that I have, but all that I can borrow. I mean, sometimes we need to borrow some brains from somebody else. And so we need to get advice. Now, listen, let me just say this, though. A wise man gets much counsel. A fool listens to all of it, okay? You can't do everything everybody tells you to do. You won't get anything done. But when you, when you lack understanding, ask godly people. Ask for advice. You don't have to take their advice, but it will help us. God will use that to teach us. We don't have time to go there, but you probably remember the story. After King Solomon died, I think, it was his, I think his son was Jeroboam maybe. And uh, he was going to take over the kingdom, and uh, or maybe after King, and maybe it was before Solomon, after David died. But I didn't look it up. But anyway, uh, he goes to the to the wise men of of the Jews and says, "What do you think I should do?" And they said, "Well, don't raise the taxes; just do this, and man, you'll be blessed." And he ignored them, and he, and he raised the taxes on the people and just shot himself in the foot. And so there's a there's a biblical principle for asking for wisdom. If you don't know what to do, if I don't know what to do, we should ask. Godly men and women to give us some input. And so sometimes God gives us wisdom that way. And then there's a fourth area that God gives, fourth way God gives us wisdom, and that is obviously through circumstances. I mean, sometimes God brings us through some tough, tough times just to teach us stuff, right? I mean, sometimes we just look at our circumstances and say, man, I learned something from that. But you better be careful. I was, we went to, Visit a guy one night, my associate pastor was with me, and he was a biblical counselor, so he was pretty good at this stuff anyway. But this guy was telling us, uh, he was praying to God for some while, I don't know what it was, and he said, so I'm looking for a sign. And he, and he says, he was asking for this crazy thing, for God to do something, and he said, I was sitting out on my deck, and I saw a fallen star, and I said, that's God's will. And I thought, my stars, you, 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 every night you can see a fallen star. So be careful looking for signs. There's not a sign for everything. There's a word for everything. And if you get a sign or if somebody gives you some advice or you hear an inaudible voice, you say, well, that's God's wisdom. Let me just say this. It has to measure up with this. Okay, let me just say this. I want to be clear. God will never tell us 
through circumstances, people, or the Spirit. Anything that doesn't line up with His Word. It's not going to happen. So don't say, well, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I... I don't have to. Remember in Galatians, Paul said, if anybody preaches to you a different gospel, even if I do, let him be a curse. Why? This is God's revelation. So God, what God tells us is always going to measure up with this. And so if you're going to make wise decisions, if I'm going to make wise decisions, we have to acquire wisdom. We acquire wisdom by admitting we need it, by asking God to give it, and then looking for it in the Word, in our prayer, in our situation, and through other people. And then I told you that there was two principles. Let me just give you the second one, and we'll wrap up with this. When we get wisdom, we need to act on it. If we're going to make wise decisions and we're going to say, God, I need wisdom, and God gives us wisdom, then we need to act. We just need to act. We need to do. Now, sometimes that takes willpower or willpower. Sometimes doing the right thing is not the easy thing. Sometimes doing the right thing uh, is the hard thing. Sometimes doing the right thing is the costly thing. So when God gives us wisdom, we need to act. When God tells us in our heart, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. This is when you should do it. This is where you should do it. Then we need to do it. We need to act on what God tells us to do. Let's bow together. This morning as we think about um, making decisions, as we think about making wise decisions, let me just ask you, what arena in your life um, are you needing to make some decisions about? Are there some financial decisions you need to make? Are there some relational decisions maybe? Maybe some career things? Maybe, maybe how you're going to plan for your future and the future of your kids and grandkids coming after you? Maybe there's some things physically that you've got to make some decisions about. I don't know what the arena is. Or maybe it's a spiritual decision. In fact, for some of you, it might be that you've not yet decided even to give your life to Jesus Christ. And so I would just say, I know I'm partial, but I would say the wisest decision you could ever make would be to give your life to Jesus. And if you've never made that decision, my hope and my prayer is that today you'd decide to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Or it might be that you're trying to decide, where do I go to church? Where where does God want me? What church does God want me to serve in? Is this where God wants me to serve? And, and, And again, I'm partial. I believe this is where God wants you. I trust and hope and pray that this is where God wants you to serve and invest your life uh, for this phase of your life, for the kingdom of God. And and if, if that's you, I pray that you'd decide today to join our church. Or it might be that there's some stuff going on in your life that no one knows about, but you really, you, you got the information. You, you kind of know this is what I think God would want me to do. Now, I just, can I just encourage you? Make a decision. You know, just if, if you believe God's told you, then act. Then act. Trust God. 
The Bible says, trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. And so I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure what God's speaking to you about today, but I am sure that God wants you to make godly, wise decisions. He wants you to be wise, and He wants you to be decisive. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. If you don't know what to do, ask and look. And then when he tells you, then act. Do what he says and you'll be blessed. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for these next moments. that uh, For those here that need to give their life to Jesus, that have never made a decision for Christ, maybe they're a church member, but they've never given their life to Jesus, I pray they would decide today, the wisest thing I can do is give my life to Jesus. For others, maybe it's the decision to join the church and they've been thinking about it praying about it wondering about it maybe today's their day God for many of us there's decisions at home or with family or with work or with how we're going to spend our last years Lord there's there's tough decisions God help us to make wise decisions and we'll give you the glory and the honor for all that we do in Christ's name uh, I want to invite you to stand together. Dan's going to play for just a moment. And it might be that you need some prayer to help with a decision. Or it might be that you've decided, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. Or it could be that you've decided, hey, I want to join First Baptist Church. We want to give you a chance to make those decisions. So let's stand together all over the auditorium. As Dan plays, if you need to make a public decision, I invite you to come. Jesus, your name.